begins with this gate drop. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to the Power to the Ground podcast. I am Steve. With me, as always, is Jesse. What's going on, Jesse? What up? What up? All right. As promised, we got some Motocross of Nations previews and reviews and predictions and all of that fun stuff. We're going to get into some news. We had some news. Uh, but before we do all of that, let's get to some spots. Thank you for tuning into the Power to the Ground podcast. Check us out on Instagram where we share race highlights and we record this podcast on Instagram Live every Sunday morning. Also, visit our website, www.powerthenumber2theground.com where you can check out some merch and don't forget to sign up for our email list for giveaways, news, and to get notified every time we upload a new podcast. All right, so before we get into the as-promised Motocross of Nations previews, um, there's been some news. Uh, HRC Honda has made some moves and uh, some riders moving up and all of that. So, uh, Jesse, what do you got from there? Yeah, so uh, as you probably know by this point, Cole Seeley is retired. So there was a vacancy on the HRC Honda team that they were uh, looking to fill. And a couple of weeks ago, um, Justin Brayton had a uh, impressive showing at a Canadian Supercross race. And I think personally, that's probably what happened. He uh, he's 35 years old now, but he had an impressive showing. He's now a two-time uh, defending Australian Supercross champ. He's defending that um, this fall, and HRC decided to bring him on for uh, the American Supercross season. So Brayton will be uh, getting a ride there, and also uh, uh, one that I'm more excited for would be Chase Sexton. Chase Sexton is coming up from the 250 ranks, Jumping up on the 450s, he seems excited about it too, and uh, I think he's one that is probably going to take to the 450 really well. He's a uh, he's a bit of a larger human being, so uh, the 450 will probably suit probably him. suit his size a little better, right? I think um, in the grand scheme of things, does this make Honda more any more or less of a title contender? I think it remains to be seen. I think you know Brayton can probably post some pretty good results and we'll, we'll see how Sexton can do I'm excited you know maybe he he does do well and he you know he's he's top five and routinely but what I think this does more than anything is give Roxon some teammates that um have a potential to push him a little bit and yep. and I love Cole Seeley I think he's a great 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 guy but he hasn't really been around right um and you know I think Roxon Roxon needs to be pushed a little bit and while that some of that will come from the competition and the off weeks and the training and the and the practices and all that, you know, having having some teammates that are looking to come in and actually compete on these Hondas for you know top spots, um, hopefully pushes rocks and and gives us some some really excited races from exciting races from him this coming season. So um, all around, I think it's a pretty good move for Honda. Um, yeah, you know, a couple of solid riders, um, really nobody that makes you kind of shake your head and go, huh? You right. know, I think it's all just. Um, Brayton's always been a guy who's just, you know, he's been able to throw wrenches in, in races here and there. But I think more importantly for Roxon's, um, for Roxon's best, uh, for the good of Roxon. <laughs> there you go. We were going to get there eventually. For the good of Roxon, <laughs> I think bringing Sexton up from the, four, from the uh, 250s is really going to uh, light a fire under Roxon because uh, 
I mean, yeah, you, new young talent, right? Yeah, what other what other reason do you have to bring a, a young rider up onto your team other than to plan for the future, right? And Roxon's not going to want to. It's Brady Garoppolo all over again, <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> if you don't get the reference, I'm sorry. Yeah, but <laughs> no, it, it, seriously though, it's um, it, it's kind of, that was kind of my point too. You know, is that Roxon has had you know a rough year two um and a couple of years and i think you know seeing him start to get back into form a little bit this outdoor season uh was a good sign for him and now having somebody pushing him and kind of nipping at his heels will help push him too and uh you know watching him and tomac once again going out at the supercross season i think is it's going to be really exciting so good for honda yep absolutely Yep. Any other uh, team news going on there? That's all that I got. If uh, anybody out there is listening to this and you want us to talk about any other team news, please feel free to hit us up on Instagram or Facebook, and we'll be sure to uh, tackle it in the next episode. All right, let's get to the good stuff. I promised last week that I was not going to go on any tangents about media and coverage and how it's completely failing the sport, and I'm going to stick to that promise Though it has been really difficult. I didn't it's, make any promises. The media has sucked. All we have is Team Fried. That's all we could watch. Um, we got a little bit out of it that we're going to talk to just from the Team Fried stuff. But you know what? That's it. That's all. That, that's I, it. That's, that's all. all. That's it, all. Just, it would have been really nice to get a little bit more coverage here for, yeah. for this event. Because it's, it's a really, really cool event. Um, but nope, not going down that road. What we are going to do is uh, we're going to look at some of the other teams from other countries. And while, you know, we've talked about you and I may not be incredibly familiar with some of these riders, we have done a little bit of research. <coughs> and I think, um, you know, we can we can take kind of somewhat of an objective look. We're going to be a little bit biased because we're in the U.S. So Right. We um, want to see our team succeed. But we're going to start. Let's take a look at uh, Team France. Okay. Um, and, and really, at the end of the day, they're probably still the favorite. Yeah. They have to be. They have two, two-thirds of their team from last year, which, you know, won the whole thing. Right. And they, I mean, four or five-time defending champs. They, they, they're on a streak right now. Um, There's two names that are not on that list. Let's make a note of that. Yeah. So, oh, well, Dylan Ferrandis is not racing for them this year. Uh, he was on their MX2 last year. So I think that hurts him a little bit. Um, replaced with, you know, so names, these are all foreign names. If I screw these up, I apologize <laughs> to absolutely everybody. But uh, Maxime Renault, I'm guessing is how you say that, um, is riding for MX2. Um, he is young and very inexperienced. He's only had 24 GP entries. Um, he's podium once, and he finished seventh in the championship this year in the MX2. Um, so... Replacing someone like Ferrandis with this guy, I think, knocks the team down at least a little bit. It has to bring them down to earth a little bit. But you're still bringing back two of, you know, your MXGP rider is, it's Pauline. It's the same guy. And um, your open rider is the same as last year, too, um, in Jordi Tixier. Okay. So I think when you have that kind of level of consistency, you know, you talk about that in, in all sorts of sports. When you have consistency year in and year out. And you develop that kind of team chemistry. Clearly, they're, whatever they're doing for training works. You know, clearly, individually and as a team, it works. So um, when you bring back two-thirds of your team, even if this, this MX2 rider is a little bit young, I think you, you have to say that France is still the favorite. Yeah, I, I, I can't disagree with you on it. <laughs> I mean, there is, there is some, uh, there's some stuff that I'm looking forward to in this race. Um, as far as the team specifics, I mean, uh, this is... 
this is going to be this will be the first time that I actually watch Motocross of Nations live. I've watched them, um, you know, post post broadcast before, but uh, this will be the first year I've actually watched it live. So I don't really have a big background on these on any of these riders. Uh, but this is definitely something that Steve and I have been talking about getting a little bit more into and maybe even covering this is the uh, the MXGP um, races going forward. I mean, and I would love to do that. And if they, I think that's another thing that can help grow the sport in this country is garnering interest in the, the worldwide yeah. aspect of the sport, you know, um, something to watch in the off season, something to keep track of in, in between, you know, yeah. uh, in between races. So absolutely. I think that's something I would love to get into and, and cover more. We, some of these names that we're going to be throwing out here are going to be a little bit more fam- familiar to us moving forward. Um, so with France still being the favorite, um, the next one is one that, you know, you've, you've been really kind of harping on more recently is, uh, the Netherlands team. Yeah. The Netherlands, they have, uh, they have two guys and, um, Jeffrey Hurlings, obviously. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's pretty fresh back from an injury, I believe, um, as he was made fun of for in a, um. The that hype, video we mentioned last video. week, the hype it video, is, was hilarious. It is on our homepage. It is right up there on our homepage. So if you want to go check it out, you can go to uh, www.powerthenumber2theground.com, and it's right there on our homepage. It's the Netherlands hype video for Motocross of Nations. It is hilarious. It's so cringeworthy. It's amazing. But they do. So he actually, you know, they kind of poke fun at the whole injury situation in that video. Um but he seems to have kind of come back from that. His last two GP results were pretty good, if I recall. Yeah, he went, uh, you know, uh, so we had... 1-1 one, one and 1-2? Yeah, but it was, uh, I think it was, the last week's was China, and he went 2-1 uh, with two the one. with the overall. Um, he just edged out his teammate, Koldenhoff, who went 1-2. So 2-1 beats a 1-2. Yep. Um, and then the week before that, I believe he also beat out his teammate Koldenhoff yeah. for the overall win with a one-one, and his teammate took a three-two. Yep, um, and that was Sweden, I believe. And the week before that was his first week back from yep. the injury, right? right. Where he went twenty-six-four. Uh, yeah, which, I, I mean <laughs> something happened. Yeah, I don't know something what happened, had to happen. But, but it really so it clearly looks like he is he's back, he's healthy, he's feeling good, and he's the defending. MXGP champion, by the way, he won the whole thing last year. Well, right. not any, so obviously not this year. Um, so, champion, one of the best riders in the world. He, that alone, his name alone on the Netherlands team gives them a massive advantage. But then you throw Koldenhoff, who has been on a streak. Yep. You know these the last few GPs, he was really kind of on fire. And their teammates, they obviously are going to train together. Um, their MX2 rider is another young kid. He's got uh, 62 GPs overall, um, but he's been racing for a while. He's been racing there for 2014 was his first MX2, um, but the best he's finished was sixth place in MX2 last year. So I don't know how much that helps or hurts them. Um, it seems like the MX2 guys are kind of, you know, they're, they're swing guys. You right. know, when you, when you have the two solid riders in your MXGP and your open class and Hurlings and Koldenhoff, you know, that... That puts them to me square as a number two right behind France. Right. As you know, how well, do you, and and really and you could home probably, their home team too. That's the X factor there. Yeah. Does that edge them out and give them you know the advantage over France this year with France kind of I I, I I'm gonna say downgrading at their MX two spot. 
Um, and the Netherlands being home, and Hurlings and Koldenhoff both looking really good recently. Yeah, and it's Hurlings is just he's just somebody that I'm I'm very interested in watching. For one, I watched that hype video and they showed Hurlings in that, and I was like, holy crap! Why did I think this guy was so much older? Again, I know barely anything about MXGP. I've heard these names just from playing the video games, um, which suck. Uh, <clears throat> I, you know, somebody should do a podcast about video games <laughs> and how they're failing this far. Yeah. So I know these names just from the just from the video games, but um, I for some reason I thought he was older, and I think it's because I've heard his name in reference to possibly being the fastest rider ever so many times that for some reason I thought he was just much older than he is. Um, but he's still kind of young, and I'm excited to see how fast he is well and he was the one so we got a taste of it right and i don't know if you remember those those races but he was the one a, a couple of outdoor seasons ago it wasn't i don't think it was last year might have been the year before but he came over and raced a couple of outdoors here in the u.s just at towards the end of the season that yeah. kind of was everything was wrapped up and he just owned right he just owned all of the american riders like it was just like it was just a day at the track yeah. a fun day at just the track running out just, doing some practice he was just so fast and he was so technical like he clearly this dude is talented and he's really really fast and i mean he he alone as far as mxgp riders got to be one of my favorite riders that i've seen in the few gps that i've watched and again from the games too you know when i'm playing my created character and i'm going around these tracks he's always the guy i'm fighting with for, for first place so um you know that alone should tell you if the game's putting him up there all the time he's probably yeah, doing he's pretty probably good doing know, all right yeah like, no we're not getting our information and statistics from our video game we are professionals jesse <laughs> So, um, there's, uh, there's only one other rider really that I'm looking forward to seeing and that's on, uh, team Spain, Prado. Um, Prado. So yeah. here's the interesting thing about Prado, right? Um, he is two time, including this year, um, two time champion and MX two. So he won it this year. He won it last year and MX two, right? He's riding MXGP at the motocross and Asians. So he's going to be on the, the bigger bikes. So um, I think that's going to be pretty interesting. He's yeah, there. That will be interesting, um, mostly because I, uh, he's the only name that I know from MX2. So who is Cooper really riding against? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's and it's kind of what it comes down to is, you know, Cooper being such a young kid, um, I don't think he's had a chance to kind of get into any kind of you know, crazy habits that you might develop over the course of time in the U.S. I mean, maybe he he adapts to some of these European tracks, you know, fairly well. Right. Um, and maybe that gives him an advantage in MX2 uh, with Prado riding MXGP. Yeah. So, um, it, it, Cooper just got to Europe um, over the last week, I think. So he just started he just started practicing with the rest of uh, the American team. So, and we're gonna get to the American team too. Don't you guys worry about it. But I mean, really, when it comes down to it, there's three and a half teams that we care about three and a third teams that we care about right, right. you know it's it's france is obviously a favorite year in year out the netherlands might have a massive advantage this year and then for us it'll be the u.s and then you know prado in spain because you know so i have this page up where i have all the teams and their riders and they all have their links so you can see their stats and you know when they started and their results and all that stuff team spain has jorge prado as their msgp rider and you can't even click on the other two names on spain's team because <laughs> wow. they don't have any stats so they're brand they're newbies they're they're complete Noobs. newbies so i you know I, prado might do pretty well on a on the M, in the msgp class you know but i don't think that that puts spain anywhere near in the conversation right um 
it'll be interesting to see what kind of track they're racing on too because i don't i don't know they're racing in uh assen in assen. the netherlands um and i've never seen this track before it's uh, a sand track is it not that it is they were talking about that yeah. so that's it's definitely it is and it's they were talking about the the type of sand so it's not it's not like a manufactured sand track where like you you race the first couple of laps and and you've dug through the sand and you can get to the hard pack stuff underneath that no apparently the sand on this like track on like a beach right it's like <laughs> never ending like if you're trying to dig to hard pack stuff you're going to find yourself digging the china it's like never ending sand would it be to china from the netherlands no it it'd here? probably be somewhere in the pacific right. <laughs> yeah so right and i wonder how that is going to you know affect the u.s team specifically i mean most u.s riders despise sand tracks right let's just they, they just hate they hate them unless you're a Muskin. European rider right. that Muskin. has come over and raced in the U.S. You, yeah, Muskin dominates at Southwick, right? right. Like that's just his thing. He's like he's all all about the sand. That could be a thing that while we've talked about, we mentioned a little last year, the U.S. Um, is doing a lot of things right this year. It seems like yeah, it gives him a leg up. How much do you think the sand sets that you know offsets those advantages? Um, that I don't know. Because I think if you're training right and you're doing the right regiment, um, I think you can you can mitigate any disadvantage that you have as long as you're addressing the disadvantage. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, there's two of the three riders that we have on the American team. I I have confidence in being able to um, overcome. So actually, what they're walking into, and that's one thing, we're, and we're going to get to that. Um, yeah. Is specifically Zach Osborne. I'm not. I'm not particularly worried about. But before we start diving into the American team once again, and, and kind of getting into the more specifics on them, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, and we're back. So the American team, the U.S. team, putting all of our hopes on these three guys to represent our country over there in the Netherlands against some really, really stacked competition. And um, I am so excited about it. So we were talking about sand tracks, right? And if there's one guy in particular on this team, and I know you're a huge Anderson fan, and, and, I, and I like Jason Anderson. He's a phenomenal rider. But really, Zach Osborne might be the guy that has to kind of carry this team as far as, um, not personality-wise, that's Jason Anderson's job to kind of, well, no, not even, no. actually, no. I think Osborne's age and his experience yeah. gives him the leadership role here, too. Which is why he's team captain. So, I apologize. I, all of it. I think I think the hopes have to rest kind of on Osborne's shoulders. Yeah. Um, I'm not worried about him in the sand for a few reasons. Um, but I think his style is going gonna, is gonna to really shine there. Um, Osborne raced an entire season in MX2. He finished fourth in the championship. He did nine podiums and won one of the races. Wow. Which, for an American rider, I mean, we've seen a few U.S. riders go and try to race MX and MXGP, and those results were not very good. No. Um, Anderson did one race, or, yeah, I think it was one race he finished like 38. <laughs> He's like, yeah, this is not for me. <laughs> yeah, right. He finished 38th. Whereas, you know, someone like Osborne, he raced, when you have an entire season on all these tracks, it was a while ago. I think it was five or six years ago. Um, still. But still, he has that experience on an entire season on some of these tracks. Probably Assen, he knows what this track is like. He knows what the sand is going to be like. He can tell these guys what to expect. He also um, has experience in motocross nations, does he not? 
Um, yeah, I think he was on the 250 team, um, not last year, but the year before. I'd have to look up that look that up. But. So, so overall, he's the most experienced rider on the team. Um, he's obviously posted the best results when it comes to any kind of European races on the team. And I think his style is going to really suit him. So I think really the hopes kind of lie with him. When it comes to mitigating those disadvantages we talked about, you know, how is Anderson and Cooper going to do on this crazy sand track on this European track over in the Netherlands? Um, they're going to lean heavily on Osborne to kind of bring them around. Now, is Anderson going to be willing to put in that work or is he just kind of over there to have some fun? That remains to be seen. We did kind of watch that Team Fried video and man, did he look fried. <laughs> he did look fried, man. Oh, so yeah, let's... Let's take this one rider at a time. Let's start. We'll we'll stick with the Osborne. We'll get to Anderson. So yeah, your thoughts on Osborne? So Osborne, um, Osborne. I definitely started coming around on Osborne. Um, I'm a Husky fan. I, I love Husky I'm motorcycles. With I'm with you. Um, I especially loved when they were acquired by KTM. Um, just oh, just love Husky motorcycles. So well, I mean, I, you're getting that the performance of the KTM with those. Just all the the things that Husky does, and obviously they look gorgeous. They like look that, gorgeous. That yeah. color scheme and all that stuff. It's just so I'm a I'm a team Husky guy. You know, it's not so much about Anderson. I do really love the style of Anderson. Watching watching Anderson on a, on a dirt bike is uh, it's not just like watching another rider. He has his own way about it on the bike. However, um, Osborne, knowing that I'm a Husky guy, I pay attention to Team Husky. Um, Osborne is just somebody who just came around. I, I came around for uh, going through the season. Uh, he was always there. I mean, this is his first first outdoor season on a 450. Yeah, yeah. First outdoor season on a 450. Granted, he's been riding 250s for a million years. Um, he's 29 years old. Um, but he jumped on the 450 and he said it before the season started. He was like, look, I fully know that I'm an older guy and I have a limited amount of time to adjust to this bike going forward. And I'm at the age where I've got to start competing now. And damn it. He started competing now. <laughs> um, he might, so we'll get to that later. Yeah. He's I'm excited about his, his future for the next couple of years. Cause I think he can make some waves especially being on Anderson's team. Right. So knowing knowing that that the guy he he almost eliminated the learning curve jumping on the 450 and knowing that he has experience on this on this track or on these tracks and racing against European riders and um putting him as team captain because he's he's you know the older gentleman on the uh, well, he's the, the oldest. He's the most experienced in this yep. style of race. He's done it before. Uh, there's, I think, there's a number of reasons you make him captain, and all of it comes down to experience. Yeah, and I didn't realize that maybe he maturity had, too. Yeah, maturity is definitely a, a big contributing factor, and we'll get into that after. But you know, Osborne, uh, you know, I I was a little skeptical about why he was on the team, uh, why he was the captain of the team going into it. I saw he had the maturity factor, but the more I look into it, the more, you know, the more I see his full resume that he's raced some MX, some MX two races or not some an entire season with MX two. Uh, he had success doing it. The guy has a resume. He's got a resume. He's an extremely talented rider. Nobody can take that away from him. 
He's an extremely hard worker, and uh, he's I I. I go back to what I said when we first started talking about motocross nations and the team that they built here. There is a reason all of these riders were selected for this team. And it's not so much just because Tomac didn't want to do it or Kawasaki didn't want, I'm using quotes because Kawasaki didn't want Tomac to do it, which I think is a crock, but I think it was a joint. A joint decision there. Yeah, maybe there was a little bit, but I, I, you know what? If Tomac said, you know what, I really want to focus on Supercross for his own legacy purposes, he's not going to get a whole lot of pushback from Kawasaki at this point. They're going to say, yeah, let's, uh, yeah, that's where all the money is. So if you don't want to do it, yeah, let's focus on Supercross. Well, but it's so tangent but that's that's actually why i think it was as much if not more kawasaki than tomac is because of the money they're like listen you've won all these outdoor championships we need you to win in supercross because that's where the money is jerk so right you're not racing outdoors we're focusing on supercross i'm not saying you're wrong i'm saying i could see it having gone both ways you know what we could probably do an entire episode just on just on tomac honestly because uh, I, I i can mean, we can we do that let's uh, do yeah, that yeah that, I think not we next, should. so next week's review uh, yeah. obviously you know the mxon review so um and if, again if you're listening and that's something you want to want to talk about if you're sick of tomac just tell us be like listen no we don't want to hear you spend an entire episode on tomac so that way when we do it anyway we'll at least know you're not listening yeah i mean <laughs> he's it's this, he's, he's an interesting person he's I a mean, polarizing he's figure. a polarizing figure because he has for one he has a completely lopsided career an absolutely lopsided career and um he and just him as an individual the reason i don't really buy it that it was kawasaki telling him is because this guy, like you, you can look at him. You know he's the type of guy who probably stays up late at night just thinking about if I had just done this a little bit different, I would have beaten Dungey and I would have had my first Supercross, <laughs> my first Supercross championship. And if I had just done this just a little bit different, I would have beaten Anderson out for my second Supercross championship. And if I had just done this just a little bit different, I would have had Webb for my third Supercross championship. Really, if you think about it, and he was close to being a three-time champion. Yeah, he was <laughs> right there. And that's what I think if he, oh, we're doing it, we're doing, we're doing it. it. We went on a tangent. See, we apologize. All right, back to what An entire episode dedicated to Eli Tomac, or at least half an episode, and then we'll get into his legacy because that'll lead us into some like best evers and all that cool yeah. stuff. So let's do an episode about that. I think that sounds a whole, like a whole lot of fun. But so back to, back to Team USA and you're right. So there is no Tomac. Right. It's not just that the best, like you said, the best, fastest riders weren't available. The reason it looks like they go with these guys is team cohesion. Team is, cohesion, for sure. And that's that's kind of what it feels like, and that's how they've treated it, at least on the surface so far. Is, right. Is they're they're approaching this as a team, sharing a tent, and you know all of the things that they haven't been doing in the past. You know, um, as Osborne and Anderson went over together. Yep. Osborne um, and Anderson and have Cooper been over went there a little bit later, but I mean the kid's like what five years old. Like he's he's such yeah. a young kid. He's not going to spend all that time over there. So. Yeah, he's uh, and we talked about it in in episodes past. Every every one of these riders has a reason for why they're on this team. For one, Osborne has the experience. He's a mature rider, so he's the right person to put on the on the bike as a, as team captain. Um, the intangibles that Anderson brings onto the team, just for the purposes of having his production team that follows him around, so that the fans can actually 
have a little bit to hang on to going into this race because the media feels the sport. What? Yeah. Oh, well, I think <laughs> I, honestly, honestly, I think that was a big part of why Anderson got picked for this team is because of that the intangible of having that production team around him. I mean, it's really not that far out of the scope. I mean, if you look at Hollywood, people are selecting actors based on how many Instagram followers they have now. Not who's the best actor for the role, but who has the best Instagram follower. Now, in, in Anderson's case, it also works out that he's one of the best writers in the True. U.S. So, I mean, it, it kind of if he if he was a consistent sixth or seventh place finish, I think I'd have a little bit more problem with, with right. that reasoning. But he's not. He's, he's, he's not. obviously a guy that can compete with the best. Right. And then you have Cooper, who is you know he's one of the best riders there on on two fifties, especially he's such now that awesome young right, talent. Now that Ciancu Rulo's jumped up to four fifties, it's it's basically Cooper and Ferrandis now on on the two fifty class, and uh, Ferrandis is French. So, right. <laughs> so <laughs> what, what, what do you do? Here? I know, and with Ferrandis not racing for the France for the French team this year, I mean, and and you know, um, Jorge being on the MXGP, like you said, Cooper, who does he really have have to compete against that we know about? So right. there might be some really talented riders. So I'm not, definitely are. not taken away from these MXG right. riders. I'm not saying he's going to wipe the floor with them by any stretch. I know how talented these European riders are. What I'm saying is, as far as massive, huge names that everybody knows and recognizes that would step in and dominate uh, guys that we just know what their are known quantity, some guys like Ferrandez and Jorge, um, he doesn't have those guys to compete against. So yeah. I think that gives him a little bit more of a leg up than he would have otherwise. Yeah. Let's jump into Anderson a little bit. Let's, let's talk, talk about Jason Let's talk Anderson about Jason Anderson. Now, that video. That video. That video, he looked hungover hung as all... Now, to his credit, he was still up and practicing. Right. Whatever time it was. I think, I think they said... It was like nine or ten, and he definitely just got out of bed. Dude, his he had just rolled out of bed. Hey, he was he was actually just rolled out. He just rolled out of bed, and he actually said he's like he looked at himself in in the reflection on a car, and he was like, "Oh, you've been filming me with my hair like this," and he put his hood up, and yeah. Um, when we talk about the maturity level of of Osborne, and you've got you've got Anderson on the other side of the spectrum. Anderson is, uh, he's over there in the Netherlands to have a good time. Which, look, if you're going to spend a month in the Netherlands, enjoy it. Right. Holy crap. How many people get an opportunity to go do that for something that they they do for work, you know, and get paid for it. But at the same time, you're there to do a job. And, you know, they spent so much country. They spent so much time in that interview, too, not even just representing the country, but talking about they want to compete. They're doing things differently. They want, you know, they're going to go over there early and they're going to train, and they're going to, you know, they want to actually be taken seriously in this motocross of nations because nobody takes the U.S. seriously in the motocross of nations. They wanted to change that. So in the interview, they were saying all the right things. Anderson was saying mostly the right things. He did hint at you having could see a good- him. You could see him talking out the side of his mouth a little bit. Yeah, he yeah. definitely hinted at like, "Oh, I'm also going to go have a good time," and I'm like, "Okay, well, that's fine." But then you see these videos. <coughs> And that's, well, that's almost, that's, it's clear that that's exactly what he did. Like, yeah. he looked like he was on a bender the night before, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm not saying it was that bad. I'm not trying to, like, you know, paint the wrong picture of the guy. But he he looked like he had a I mean, they time. flat out said in the video, got no sleep last night while they're standing next to the Rockstar Energy van. Right. Like, that was, that. this is Anderson's team. This is his entourage. 
they go around and oh, well i don't know if they go around but on this on this trip it seems like they're just there to party they're not necessarily they're there to to make some content um and enjoy the trip with jason anderson and i think that ultimately what we have here because of those factors we have a uh two rider team we've got one in the mxgp and one in the mx2 class and you mean open osborne's in the open and that's and that's unfortunate because i think if anderson put in the work and he did take this seriously and look maybe he buckled down maybe he he started putting in some laps you know that's the hope because if that's the case and he did kind of buckle down and say, wow, yeah, I should probably, you know, get going on this. And he took a little bit more seriously. I kind of like the U.S.'s chances to compete in this one. If he doesn't, if he didn't and he just took this entire time as like a little mini vacation that he, oh, by the way, has to race, uh, you know, at, at the end of it. Um, then you're right. It's a two-man team and the U.S. isn't going to yeah. do much. Well, that was, uh, that was just a, a few days ago. So, you know, that wasn't uh, – Justin Cooper – just got to europe yep. i think it was on wednesday mm-hmm. so that that video was just posted so that he was hung over just a couple days ago uh, right <laughs> i so i guess my point being like if he's not doing it every night <laughs> I mean, yeah. i'm trying to give the guy the benefit of the doubt as much as possible Ooh. here but it, i know it's it's tough because i would like this event in particular to be taken more seriously yeah by the u.s because i think it one it's a it's an incredibly fun event yep. but anytime you are competing against the world for anything soccer hockey olympics you know um you want your your country to be represented by the best and to compete and it seems like osborne was doing that um he woke up and they they were they were warming doing the warm-up jog yeah and anderson's like what are you guys doing you yeah. guys like he's like he i had, did mine at 6 a.m at 6 a.m he had clearly just woken up and that the big guy filling filming him was like no no you that's didn't. a lie that's a lie <laughs> and he's like Shh. yeah <laughs> I, I it worries me a little bit and it's for that reason that i'm not holding my breath for the u.s results in the whole thing this year yeah which speaking of Let's do some completely uninformed wild guess predictions. Arbitrary predictions. Motocross of Nations. Let's do it. Um, It's going to be pretty easy. Pick three teams and pick the order that you think they're going to finish in. You ready for this? You want to go first or you want me to go first? You go first. (laughs) All right. I'll go first. And So basically I said that because what you're going to do is just switch something up off of my predictions and just give a good valid reason for it okay 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 so i'm gonna go um i'm gonna take the easy route i'm saying france netherlands and it had yeah i think it was great britain as like the third favorite or the third yeah. seed i think it's where they finished i didn't i have zero faith so i'm gonna say that osborne pulls some crap out of his ass and cooper has this crazy good good showing and the u.s finishes third that's my prediction france then netherlands than the U.S. Okay. Who's racing for Britain? Who's who do I we have on the I team? D- I don't remember the names here. Hold on. I got I got them for you. I got them for you. I'll do all the research. It's cool. Nathan Watson. Okay. Adam Sterry. Okay. And Sean Simpson. Yeah. So the only riders that I know in the, the, for for Britain. Yeah. Go ahead. Here. I'm sorry. Let me give these. Let me give this to you for context. Okay. So it, it looked like I think Britain finished third last year. Is what it looked like. Um, they're here. The, the The list is kind of like a seated list. France was first. Netherlands was second, I believe. Uh, their MXGP rider, Nathan Watson's best championship result was a 23rd 
in Ouch. the point standing in 2015. That was his best. Ouch. And tw- that's their MXGP rider. Uh, his best MX2 finish in the championship was 42nd. Whoa. No podiums, no GP wins in either class. Their open rider, Sean Simpson, is a name I actually recognize a little bit. Um, his best championship result in MXGP was a fourth in 2015. So he's okay. got a little bit of uh, creds. He's won four overall GPs, six podiums, and 138 entries. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. And their MX2 rider um, isn't even worth talking about. So, um, yeah. So in the seedings here, it has France, Netherlands, Great Britain, Australia, United States. I'm bumping United States up to third, and then I'm keeping those first two, France and Netherlands. That's okay. my predictions. All right. Um, I'm going to go outside the box here. Let's do it. I'm going to say um, I'm going to play the homeboy, the the home team uh, card here. I don't think they're going to win it. I hope they compete for it. So I'm going to go out there. I'm going to say Netherlands finishes number one. Ooh. That was going to be my other one if I yep. didn't go France. They I'm have gonna, a home track advantage in Hurlings and Koldenhoff look great. Right. I'm going to say ne- Netherlands finishes number one. Here it is. And Do America it. finishes what? number two. And France finishes number three. All right. I I, I don't know why. I don't know. I don't, maybe, I don't know. Osborne looks like he's ready. Um, Cooper is an extremely talented rider. I don't know what his competition that is that he's going to have to ride against. But um, that kid has his head screwed on tight. Um, so I think he's going to do all the right things, and I don't know. Maybe Anderson will do some meth before the race, and he'll just yeah. Know, which Anderson? Which, which Anderson shows up will probably have a huge result. Right. Like if if Anderson shows up in races like Jason Anderson and Osborne and Cooper think do what we think they're going to do, they'll compete. I think absolutely have no no doubt that they'll compete and push these guys. Um, if Anderson B shows up, then I think a podium third for the u.s is being generous yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we could also be completely wrong and the u.s could finish 10th so and and these you are know completely what that might wild too. out there predictions there is totally biased because we're going to be rooting for the u.s we are american so you know go team usa yeah um what i haven't even looked to see what time the races are on um that day but uh should we record the podcast while we're watching the races? We'll take a look. Let's not make that commitment just yes. yet. Yeah, okay. Just yet. We'll take a look at times and we'll work out schedules. But either way, so next week um, is probably going to be primarily focused on reviewing and talking about Motocross and Nations right. um, for the entire podcast. So hopefully you're all looking forward to that. Hopefully it's an exciting event that gives us a lot of juicy stuff to talk about. Um, hopefully for us, the U.S. finishes in a, in a good spot so that we're not just talking about riders we don't know. Actually, no, you know what? If the, yeah, US, if the, if the U.S. does finish in like a terrible, like if they finish like 10th or something we're ridiculous, just gonna make fun of them. we're just going to sit there and bash them for an entire podcast, which is totally fine too. Yep. And um, we'll get back to bashing Tomac at some point too because America did so bad. <laughs> so yeah, right. Yeah, thanks, Tomac. It's, you know what? Let's blame Tomac. Thanks, if the Tomac. U.S. doesn't do yeah. well, we're going to take we're going to take the whole Obama meme thing. Like, thanks, Obama, and we're going to shift it all, all towards to Tomac. Tomac. Anytime yeah. anything happens, like Cole Seely retired, thanks, Tomac. Yeah, <laughs> the <laughs> media like is not covering m- motocross nations. Thanks, Tomac. <laughs> Fucking media. Ugh. All right, I think that's going to do it for today's podcast, man. Um, we gave you guys this 
in depth of a prediction and preview as I think you know was possible for the limited knowledge that the U.S. gets on MXGP and its riders. Um, never mind its own sport. So uh, we will talk to you guys next week. <clears throat> And we will be talking about possibly during live, if not afterwards, the motocross and nation results. And uh, we'll move forward into the Aussies and add to that. Jesse, you got anything else for these guys? Yeah, I'm going to throw something up on uh, Facebook and Instagram about the motocross and nation's po- um, predictions. So if you guys have any uh, predictions, find us on Instagram and Facebook and go ahead and drop your comments on those uh, on those posts. Do it. Get over to the Facebook. Get over to the Instagram. Get over to the website. We still got merch up there. I uh, got myself a shirt. Actually, we got to take a picture. I'm going to post a picture of me wearing our awesome Power to the Ground shirt um, logo. <clears throat> so you guys can all see what those look like on a sexy mofo. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> just saying. Uh, but anyway, guys, thanks so much for listening. We will talk to you next week. Jesse, see you next week. See you.